Welcome back, everyone, to R2. I'm looking at the wrong side of the camera as well. To R2 cast number 22. Today we've got uh, Carol Devaney. Have I said that right? You have, yeah. Nailed it. Perfect. Do you want to say hello there, Carol? <clears throat> hello. How are things to the R2 cast uh, listeners? And cheers, Wallace, for having me on. Absolutely. Oh, Interesting being on the other side of the mic for a change. <laughs> as, as, as Carol said, he's. Um, He's a seasoned pro in the podcasting world, and we'll get into that at some point. But um, yeah, he's got the fancy mics there. If we went into that little office of mine, I do have a fancy mic, and I've got a fancy camera coming, but I forgot to get the right cable for it all, so it's still iPad on a few boxes. But we're getting there slowly but surely. <laughs> fancy <laughs> mic while also drinking, like such a mind fuck. Like, is he a pro or an amateur? What is he like? <laughs> for the listeners, I'm not an alcoholic. I'm just fierce fond of drink. Just, just Irish. Is that, is that... <laughs> yeah, <that's good. laughs> um, so yeah, enough of me talking about technicalities I don't understand. Uh, could you tell us just about a background about yourself, Carol? Where are you from? And that sort of stuff. Sure. Um, I'm from the northwest of Ireland in Sligo, um, and I'm brought up on a sheep farm. Um, we've always had sort of a few hundred sheep, maybe close to a thousand, I guess. Um, the eldest of nine kids, so it's a uh, fairly fairly nuts house it's very busy here um at any time you can hear a domestic over the microphone so but i'll do my best i've told them to be quiet for an hour please don't kill each other but um yeah it was uh elsa nine brought up on a sheep farm and was just sort of thrown into it pretty early um i'd imagine uh anyone else who's the uh, eldest uh child in a family they'll they'll know the the crack of uh being you've been really the first in line to do any sort of farm tasks or chores like that. So I did plenty of it from a young age. Um, dad was a, is a farmer and he's been a shearer for, oh, I suppose maybe over 30 years now. So there were the two worlds that we were thrown into. Um, I think every summer since the age of eight have been, been out in the summer shearing is kind of all I know really. And uh, even though I've graduated with a degree now and I have a, I have a business that's sort of shearing is still, something i've always done and i enjoy it and uh, it's a it's a sport for us as well so uh, i'm doing it for now anyway see what happens i guess but um yeah uh joanne devani is my sister too she's the famous one in the family i'm just kind of piggybacking a wee bit probably more people might know her than me joanne the sheeter uh, yeah yeah um i didn't realize it was nine kids Carol. are they all all interested in farming what age is the youngest uh the youngest is 10 so I'm 27 and it goes down to 10, just like a, a bit of a staircase. But there's, I know there's, they're, they're all so different. It's a funny one as they grow up now. It's, it's very, like everyone is so unique and they've got their own things that they like and things they don't like. Some of them are, are, are big into it. Some of them have no interest. It's funny, like the, um, myself and Joanne to be close enough to each other, but there's another sister in between us, Marina, who did a degree in social science and she's a social care worker now in a, an old people's home and, but like uh, people in the farm, a lot of people that are say farmers or that know of us kind of, they, they don't even know she exists kind of, or they just, they're surprised to hear that there's a middle one, you know, because just because <laughs> she isn't in the, is not Instagram or putting up farming content or whatever. But uh, yeah, it's just a big difference. Myself and Joanne are big into it. Um, some of the younger girls are mad to get shearing too. I have a brother who shears. But uh, he, he's funny, like he's a he's a good shearer. He's like um has a knack for it, but he doesn't really like it at all. He just kind of does it for money. And he's big into computers and he's starting a coding course now. 
Um, so he'll be interesting if there's a bit of website development that's needed in unit down the line. So I was, I have no problem with him doing that. But yeah, it's weird. It's funny how you, you see a sample of nine humans growing up in the same environment and how like utterly different they all are. Like it's an interesting one. It's funny to see. You know, it's, it's quite interesting that, I mean, the famous example of, of a farm with, with uh, quite a few kids is obviously the Yorkshire Shepherdess. Mm. And uh, just seeing the different ways in which they, they pave their own path on the farm or off the farm, whatever that might be, is it's, it's sort of like the whole nature versus nurture type thing, isn't it? It's, it's quite interesting. Uh, mm. Yeah. Um, I have to ask, it'd be rude not to, who's the best cheater in the family? <laughs> uh uh probably i suppose i'm sort of getting joanne at the moment but um when she when she when she puts her mind to it and she if she's pissed off like she's she's pretty hard to stop like um, <laughs> um i'm probably just getting her at the moment but i'm i'm uh I'm, I'm more i'm older and more experienced than she is though but she's certainly a very good chair yeah. uh there was a period there where i switched to i actually switched to my right hand when i graduated in college and learned to shear on the second hand so she was enjoying that first year or 18 months or so because she was absolutely hopping the sheep primary but i started to catch up on her again but, uh, yeah it's an interesting one the competitive side of it is good it's part of what makes sharing fun like i seen you were talking to cammy the sheep game on an early episode i listened to that one and it's a uh, it's funny when people are into sharing they're they're pretty into it and if you're outside that world you kind of look at how hard a work it is and they think what is going through their heads at all but uh when you get it's a kind of world when you get into it, it's pretty it can be addictive enough yeah, I'm pretty well known back home for we we were on a sheep farm as well for being the guy that's always like right, gonna get into shearing this year, and then shear like two and think nah. Yeah, <laughs> I'm yeah. this size for a reason. <laughs> yeah, it's a big commitment though. For sure, like yeah, yeah, major. Uh, yeah. So you you spend most summer shearing. Um, what what's the sort of uh, the remainder of the year involved in your life then? Yeah, I suppose it's just sort of shaping up at the moment. Um, I when i finished school i took a couple of years out went to new zealand that time went working in norway played rugby in new zealand for a while and shore there for a while um took uh, took just took a couple of years out sort of to figure out what i wanted to do and then i bit the bullet and i went to college in 2015 and so i did ag science in ucd um, specializing in food and agribusiness management it's just sort of it's yeah. it's uh it's a good broad course um it's be fairly well known up there or in, in the Irish sort of ag space anyway, but the, the fam side of it was more like the most businessy one out of all of them. And I can't, I've always had an interest in business and marketing and just money and finances and economics. So sort of, I'm sort of, I, I kind of half interested in all that sort of stuff. So I thought, so that course made sense for me to do. So did that in 2015, graduated in 2019, was a four-year course. Um, I knew when I was finishing uh, when I finished, I was going to go back here and again for and give it another rattle. So uh, 2019, that was when I switched hands, actually. It was just in May, just finishing. Did the summer shearing, picked up the cert on the 2nd of September and was in Australia by the 6th or the 7th of 2019. Just didn't delay, just pick, picked it up and had a night out with, the, with everyone else and away with me then. Went out there and that was sort of six months out there and then... Covid came along then while I was out there and was actually lucky enough to get home. Um, just got home, left. Um, decided uh, on a on the Wednesday. Um, I I guess it was around seventeenth, eighteenth March that I I, I kind of need to get out of here. I'll get stuck and just left and booked to fly home on the Saturday. 
sold my car my car cheaply to some Irish girls, some local girls that were that were staying over there, and I just got home. And apparently, even the next week, it was very hard to get out of Melbourne because. Um, it was just sort of everyone was just sort of rushing around that time. It was it was a weird time. Like it was kind of it was because like you hear like I remember hearing like a few times over the years that oh there's this kind of pandemic or something's come out of Asia or something like that and you just kind of don't really pass any heat of it. Like and I remember a couple of weeks before I went, I was just sharing away and I was chatting mom and dad over the phone and they were saying, "Geez, you know this coronavirus is kind of getting bad enough." Like would you maybe you should think about coming home and i was thinking nah i'm, I'm in, the, in the country in australia like sure, that's the safest place of all like i was thinking well, i was thinking to myself the worst place you'd want to go would be an airport like because it's so busy and people traveling from different countries but once we've seen on the news that they were on about um it just kind of came all of a sudden one week that australia were thinking like flights are being grounded and they're thinking about yeah. closing the country and then I kind of thought to myself then now it's time to go like or else we'll be stuck here like so and just the summer sharing at home like Ireland is still my base like it's still still the number one place so um yeah got home anyway and was lucky enough to get home and then I've been I've been here since it's it was I mean you say it's a strange time and I feel like I've said the words it's a strange time so many times it mm. it really was though like I mean it went from from <laughs> they're talking about this disease like and it's just a cold to like three weeks later like you cannot go next door it yeah. was surreal yeah. like so surreal and and the way it impacted some people and and I, I had quite a few mates like yourself somewhere out in the states somewhere in New Zealand whatever and it's like oh we'll just wait it can't be that much of an issue like two days later I'm getting back like it's yeah. scary time so what what yeah. did what did Australia and New Zealand and Norway do for you was it all sheeran or um yeah i pl- i was pretty interested in rugby back when i was 21 22 so i played rugby out in new zealand there the first time for for a while but um when i went to college and played a little bit in ucd i kind of was i was all right at it, it wasn't great but i was but i was only okay at rugby and I, obviously that's a hugely competitive sport and they're all huge like i'm only kind of an average size bloke and i was sort of starting to win some trophies in the juniors and the intermediate and cheering so I kind of said I'll stick to that sure it'll it's it'll get me through college anyway and it mm-hmm. did prove very useful like it suits perfect like you have the summer sharing to pay for to pay for Dublin and it's all needed because Dublin's an awful expensive city and um, so yeah that worked out and that's how that's how I was doing it um in terms of out foreign um I definitely coming out this time I was pretty focused on like cracking learning with another hand because it was sort of a it was a big deal like I just I I just sort of made the decision to switch and I was already kind of a good enough share like a senior share maybe up at Cammy's level on my left hand um and uh, I suppose we can get into a little bit of why I decided to do the nuts thing like that but once I had decided to do it I kind of just I thought to myself like there's only one way this is going to be done and that's sicking myself with sheep and sharing yes. and just be really disciplined and put as many, as many hours on the handpiece as possible. So, um, like if you if you're a share and you want to get to a high level, like I don't know you've probably heard of like the ten thousand hour rule with skills like that. You that maybe ten thousand hours or roughly ten years before you get to an extremely high level or close to world class and something. So, I I was just had that in the back of my head is like if I go to Australia and New Zealand. Like I'll have the whole 12 months here and versus just four months in Ireland. So that just makes complete sense. And it did work out that way. It's kind of, I, I was talking about it with a, f- a friend over there. It's nearly like 
because Australia at the back end of the year is sort of the busy time like from September to Christmas then you can sort of go out to New Zealand do a big season out there in like winter and into spring and then come home to Ireland or wherever you are in the northern hemisphere and it's just like getting three seasons into one season really 12 months instead of four months uh, so if you're if you're serious about your craft um which I certainly was at the time. It was before I was doing any uh, podcasting or e-commerce slobbering. Um, uh, like that, that just made sense for me to do that. So I, I done that and was was out there for the six months until until March or so when the when the whole global pandemic yeah. kicked off. We um we the the listeners on on the podcast uh, for this Carol are, are are split. There's quite a lot of people in farming that are just wanting to hear about people in farming and hear some stories. There's also quite a lot of folk that really don't know much about the industry and want to learn really what's happening. So you mentioned you could maybe talk about sort of the, the jump of, of hand uh, from from left to right. Could you tell us why why you did that, why that was a big thing and, and what was involved? Yeah, sure. Um, <clears throat> I've been doing shearing competitions since I was 18 and um, at the lower grades anyway, the, there's there's four grades in, in shearing competitions. There's junior, intermediate, senior and open. Um, so I was, I was always like, I was uh, naturally kind of a clean enough shearer, like as in I, I do a good job, um, which is very important for the shows. Um, so it just kind of had a natural knack for that more so than speed. I'd be, I'd be cleaner than I would be faster, but when you're in junior and intermediate and you're only shearing two or three sheep at a time and you're very clean, you can kind of do quite well. So I suppose it's just, it's nice to get some probably just got some early success that I made a nice few finals at lower grades and stuff so I just kind of got to like that it was something I was passionate about it's like it's class getting up in front of a crowd and having a good shear and when the I don't know like for people if you've never been at a shearing competition it can some of them are pretty busy like in the UK some of them are huge too and even Balmoral and the All-Ireland if you get in a good location and it's a like there's a there's a great high out of it like if you're up there and the commentator is going and there's a real race like it's such a i don't know it's just just a just a i suppose everyone's kind of got their fix of something that gives them gives them a rush and that's where i was getting my rush for sure so um i i kind of knew that I, and even through college like doing them in the summer that i i enjoy doing these competitions like these are fun and you can kind of, I've seen plenty of shears doing them till the age of 50 or that. So I was kind of thinking, sure, I was thinking to myself, sure, this is a great sport. Like you can actually have a really long career at it um, and just have a lot of enjoyment, but, and win some trophies. But um, the stands, the way it works is that they're nearly all right-handed stands in, in most competitions and particularly the ones out foreign, like out in Australia and New Zealand. And uh, as a left-hander, I would have to pull them out and turn them around and shear them. And I would be finishing away from the porthole where you're meant to put them down. So it was taking about, it takes about an extra five to six seconds per sheep to, to do that. A commentator described it as starting in a hundred meter sprint and turn face the other way starting. So if you think you're against Usain Bolt, you'd like to be starting in the same direction as him at least if you have any hope like so it was grand at the lower grades where you're only sharing two or three sheep and it's a bit slower when you get up to the higher grades you're sharing 10 sheep in a senior final and 20 sheep in an open final and you're against some of the best shears in the world like ivan scott and matt smith and all these fellas like they're all there at these uk shows so i was kind of thinking to myself i i um there was one particular period where, one um where i made an irish team a senior test team to go out to france and we'd out there and it was just at the start of fourth year, my final year in college. And 
we had a great time out there. It was like, got just got to go out and represent the country. Um, as a senior test, we had a test against France out there in, um, what was it? Lapati or one of these places, um, a lamb, a lamb show, but like that went out there and it was all right hand of stands at like a four stand, um, like we say a four, four positions for shears to share on, um, in this competition and they were all right handed. So I made the final in it, um, in the seniors, but when I got on a good few sheep, things went wrong and it just, I ended up finishing last in the final. And I kind of just like that, it really hit me that time. I was kind of thinking to myself, um, you know, I quite enjoy these competitions. Like, and I'm probably going to do them for a little while. Uh, I could be doing them into my forties. Like, um, like, do I really want to be hampered with this, with the left hand? And then I was kind of thinking to myself, maybe like I could try and switch and I could just do one, like have one or two crap years, but maybe get back to where I was and then sort of the rest of the time, then I'll be so glad that I did it. I was sort of sacrificed short term for the long term. This was kind of thinking to myself. Um, so I had a, it was in my head that I would do it at the one once I finished college. I, I was kind of thinking about it before the end of college, but UCD and Dublin is so expensive that I just had to have all all guns blazing in the summertime, and I couldn't afford like the switch because it'll be a big financial hit too. Like, because you'll go back to doing whatever seventy or eighty sheep a day, so. But once I got out of UCD and I was finished, I said to myself, well, okay, I'll always, I'll be able to eat anyway because I have no college course to, to, to pay for. Like, so then I just decided to do it. I just finished the final exams. Started in May and yeah, that was an interesting summer because uh, we have a, we have a business here at home and I've been, I've been sort of coming out since I was a young fella and I've gone around to neighbors and locals and they're like, they've seen me shearing for years and they know I'm kind of a good enough shear and I was turning up to these farms and I was shearing to my right hand and they didn't really know the difference and like they must have thought I was on drugs or something because <laughs> <laughs> what's this guy doing <laughs> there was a New Zealand girl shearing with us too that kept, that came over to do a season and Lexi Phillips and she's very good too like if even on the left hand that sort would sort of be a tight enough tussle but she was doing like three to my everyone like yeah. I was nicking the sheep they were getting up and it was just absolute carners or sharing out my cousins it was, it was kind of a funny old story of sharing out my cousins this was one of the first farms that me and lexi went to and it was just like that it was just oh it's just like it was just so ugly to watch what i was doing like and lexi was doing about three to my everyone so she was just making an absolute fool out of me cousins <laughs> looking at me like what's going on with this fella and i actually just i actually caught myself then with the shears gave myself a good dirty nick on on the finger and so i had to go into their house and I had to, like, and the blood was, like, run out of this. And I was I, remember I was in the bathroom by myself, cleaning the kitchen. I just kind of looked at myself in the mirror, and I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you at? Like, like everyone, that you're graduating from college. Like, everyone else is going getting jobs, doing the normal thing. And here's me trying to switch, switch and start from scratch again at 25 as a shearer. Like, and it was just one of those, it's kind of, it's the mental thing. Like, it was just bit of an ego hit like i'd always sort of like you know like everyone like there's so many things that you can't do and there's so many things that you suck at but like and you kind of base what you base your identity maybe or your ego around certain yes. things and like there's, if there's one thing i could do at 25 is like i could cheer a few sheep decently well so take that away and it was kind of like <laughs> what have you got you know <laughs> so it was uh yeah it was an interesting it was a real mental game and it was a head fuck but it's funny how if time passes and 
you stick with it, it um it just slowly but surely comes with practice and we're probably as good now, if not better, with the right hand um fast forward about two years or two and a half years. Well that, that's what I was just gonna ask. How yeah. how do how do you compare the day before you jumped over to going right handed to compare to what you could hey, like now, you know? Yeah, um the same I suppose, or couple of metrics like there's there's competitions maybe how well you're doing in them and at what grade but we don't know that yet because there's been no competitions for yes. the whole of COVID and more or less the whole time I switched you know so we don't know that but the other way of looking at it is uh, tallies what you're doing how many are you shearing in the shed per day and what some of your best ones for the season and in terms of tallies I'm kind of back up or maybe how many you're shearing per hour on average so I was sort of up to kind of 35 or 40 an hour now, which is sort of what I was doing on the left hand. Maybe not even, <clears throat> not even as much as that, you know? So like in my mind, that's sort of, that's a successful switch as regards when Balmoral comes later on this month, that'll be a, a very interesting one. Oh, for, well, that'll be over now by the time this episode comes out, but now it's uh, 31st of August, Balmoral will be in late September be more or less the first competition that I've ever done on the right hand so that'll be that'll probably go probably won't go that well for the first one <laughs> um, oh don't put yourself down don't put yourself yeah. that'll be a good ah, sure. that'll be good for the commentators actually be a good narrative to run <laughs> yeah yeah it'll be interesting hi I'm sure I'm just one cheer and there's a, there'll be a whole bunch of them up there but I think people will just be delighted to get back to a competition get back doing yeah. what they like to do and just uh, the whole community around it too you know, you know yourself like with the ag space and then the shearing one yeah. is like a smaller even more cozier um community and there's people there that be in different parts of the country or in the uk or even in new zealand australia that you're good friends with but you'd only see them at shearing competitions or shearing events so it's cool to catch up and you'd always catch up a few times a year but the last two seasons it's just been on facebook really just watching what they're up to yeah you haven't really seen them like so that'll be nice you mentioned about the the sort of atmosphere and whatnot in, in a shearing shed at these shows. I mean, my experience is Les Mahago once, but uh, the Highland show a few times. It's just brilliant. Like, I would advise anyone if you're listening, you know, in farming, I don't have to tell you, or out with farming, give it a shot. It's it's probably quite daunting at first. It's very hectic. There's a lot going on. Uh, but what an atmosphere if you can get involved. Hmm. You mentioned there, Carol, you're sort of in the, the 35 to 40 an hour. Is that right? Um, I guess yeah it depends on the shape like you could get one yeah. to be better and you'll go up a little bit maybe if you're on bigger ones might be a little less but yeah that's on average what I'm doing now I suppose 35 mark so yeah. so assume assume average like uh, what mules something like that is that probably a average shearing size or is that I'm not uh, yeah, yeah. Say things yeah. yeah so maybe not as many mules here but um, they're yeah they're getting more popular sure. now yeah for sure mm-hmm what what sort of amounts would like the top top level shearers be be doing in an hour? Yeah, I d- that was interesting. I just did a course uh, last Saturday here with a, a fellow who's a very good shearer in the southeast of the country, Wexford. Roy Collier is his name, and he he's Roy be about fifty now, I'd say, and he's sort of just not. He's taking it a bit easier than when he used to. But the fellow that shears with him, who's on the Irish team along with Ivan Scott, Dennis O'Sullivan. Um, Dennis is he was on about Dennis and he says Dennis is doing 50 an hour now more or less um, all the time in the shed so um, I like when we were I was even talking to another fellow on the course we were talking about what goals he wanted and what what we want out of say this course and going forward 
And um, even when I was telling farmers I was going down to the course, they're kind of like, are, are you going taking it? Or Because they see you as sort of as good a shearer as they've seen maybe locally or up there, you know, because they haven't maybe seen all the top shears. And they're kind of like, what, what more do you have to learn? Like you're able to shear, but it's kind of just like, it's sort of how do you get from 35, 40 an hour up to 50? Like that's sort of the level I'm at and where I'm trying to get to now. Um, and that's sort of, that'll... I suppose it's like anything when you're it's the law of diminishing returns you're probably gonna to have to do a lot more work to get from 40 to 50 than you do to get from 20 to 30 but um it kind of it's you can work hard to you work hard obviously and you work hard in the shed too like the harder you go the more you'll cheer but a lot like at that level um he roy actually told us uh, on the courses is you can do 40 an hour working hard but to do 50 an hour you have to work smart like you've got to yeah actually build a pattern and um, really think about what you're doing in, in terms of like each blow you put in, how much wool that's taken off and how efficient you are and how it kind of all goes together. Like, and how um just has to be really smooth and, uh, and yeah, just efficiency is the main thing, having what's called a good pattern. Like that's what you sort of call it that with the shearing. The best way to describe a pattern is probably, um, because let's say when you're shearing a sheep, if you're shearing a couple of hundred a day every day, you're sort of doing what you're doing it in the way that you've 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 sort of trained to do it, and that's sort of your it's a set of habits. Like that's probably a good way of looking at it. Like a set of habits that take you from pulling out a sheep with wool on it to letting go a sheep with no wool on it, and your pattern is sort of your set of habits. And if you want to, if you want to get to a higher level then you sort of have to change your set of habits and maybe adopt some of the, the blows and the shots that like, like higher, better shears are doing and kind of learn off them. And that, and that along with just sickening yourself with sheep and just spending hours and hours and do thousands and thousands of sheep. Um, you'll hopefully eventually get there, I guess. Yeah. So, um, that's what I was, that's what I was looking to do. Uh, did I answer your question? What was the original? <laughs> The, the, the original was just um, <laughs> like how, how many you know world class are doing and yeah and, they're and look, a, a lot of them would be sitting on 50 an hour yeah. um day to day in the shed i know some people have seen some of the records that have been done where they're doing astronomical <coughs> astronomical numbers like um stuart connor i had him on yeah. my podcast earlier earlier on this month and he did 872 in nine hours um but Stewart would probably do like I, I'd imagine he'd be like uh, uh, a relaxed enough like 50 an hour man normally in the shed like maybe uh, on you say on a mule you he'd be able to do 100 a run they actually call it because it's like a run is like a two hour run and most shears will sort of shear for two hours before they go for a break so you're trying to um turn up is the term like where you're trying to get 100 for the run which is basically 50 an hour for two hours <laughs> so a lot of shears would be around that hundred a run mark um some more some a bit less but uh yeah that's sort of like there or maybe a bit above that is where the the top level is and then the record center is just sort of where everything comes together and everything is optimized the shear is like really well trained and the sheep are sort of farmed for it and like the, the like the best lambs that you can that you can sort of get your hands on but they're still it's still not that necessarily that easy, Sean, because like they have to be, they have to make a wool weight, so they've got to be pretty woolly, and they've got to have these. There's all very strict rules of records, but yeah. um, like say if Stewart does eight seven two for that record, he's not going to do that day in day out. But at the same time, you're not taking away from the. It's an absolutely incredible tally. 
Um, and he bet he bet an Irishman by um five Ivan Scott. He did eight eight sixty seven. Ivan is just um um I've been very fortunate to share a bit with Ivan maybe like a couple of days a year because he doesn't live too far away from us. Um, and it's it's class really because like he's a legend in the sharing game and he's he has the eight hour record still. He had that nine hour one and he's won the All Ireland. Maybe I don't know. It must be about nine or ten times at this stage. Um, and he's been in a couple of world. Fin- he's been in the last two world finals. So he's just like one of the best in the world. Yeah. One of the best to ever pick up a hand piece. So it's certainly a privilege to be friends with him and to to share with him. It's kind of <clears throat> I don't know how you describe it really. It's sort of you're sort of a local football player, but you just happen to live close enough to, I don't know, uh, like Messi or Ronaldo, yeah. and they can kind of come and train with you a couple of times a year, like, and you can sort of stick in them with questions and try and learn, you know, but um, yeah, certainly uh, very fortunate um, to be friends with good people and some good mentors, which I'll hopefully now kick on and hopefully get 15 hour within the next couple of years. We'll, we'll see what happens. We've got other irons in the fire too, no more than yourself, Wallace. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean I guess that's sort of like Harry Maguire we feel at the minute with Ronaldo going to Manchester United but um, no, yeah. <laughs> the, no I mean that, that jump from 35 to 50 is worth what's that assuming a 60 a week 10 hours a week 900 quid a week you know it's 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 not just a I want to get better it's I mean a lot more cash in the pocket you know yeah for sure yeah yeah uh, yeah, yeah. yeah we, we've we've sort of covered everything sheeran wise and you've mentioned uni and one thing i meant to ask you uh, do you guys do dissertations uh, um we did a thesis a final year thesis i suppose the dissertation is kind of just the big brother of thesis is it it's the same it's thing I mean, you could yeah i mean it, i think they're the same as far as i understand yeah i, yeah. I imagine a dissertation would be longer though our one was kind of like seven or eight thousand words so while I was, it's I suffered with it at the time, but I was probably just making a big thing out of a small thing because I've heard of some bigger, a lot bigger word counts since then. Um, for I suppose if you go, uh, there wouldn't be a lot of dissertations. Yeah, just if a dissertation or a thesis is the same thing. Some some uh, courses that we did ours for final year, but it was only about like that. It was about seven eight thousand words, and the whole lot was together references and all. Um, there'd be some bigger ones maybe if you go on and do a master's or a PhD. I said there'd be some some big, pretty big ones then when they're you're getting up into um comfortably into the five figures in terms of word counts. But um uh, yeah, yeah, so all they they exist, like it depends on the course, really. I was just um, what, what what was your thesis on then? What did you do that one? I actually did mine on wool. Um I just basically just sort of I can't remember the title off the top of my head now, but I just sort of examined what research there was out there on wool and potential marketing opportunities with it. And um, that was sort of the gist of it. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I picked that because I'm a, I'm a farmer, sheep farmer and a shearer. And I have an interest in wool. Looking back, there was probably easier ones to pick uh, because there wasn't, there's like not really a whole pile of research on wool and there's not a whole pile on Google Scholar and everything, anything that is on there is kind of maybe 20 or 30 years old. So it definitely made me think, um, Chambers, you know, like there's really, it, looking at it when I was doing it, it kind of seemed like, it seems like the, it seems like wool is just sort of abandoned here really. Mm-hmm. That, um, when I kind of thought to myself, it is like, uh, you know, farmers know how interesting it is, how, yeah, just how good it, like uh, how like how good of a product is how it's 
renewable and biodegradable and um just like fire retardant and they sort of were where farmers are well aware of all the good points of wool but um it seems outside of that maybe it just seems like there's there's a uh, not near as much of a buzz as potentially there could be but um there's 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 a lot i mean i can't really tell the market what to buy or what to be interested in either they just they sort of just do their thing like the market is the market is the market so um but yeah that's what i did mine on um it's a it's a good one and it needs talked about i i put a post up on facebook about oh, i can tell you that it must be at the start of july um it was 214 animals shorn so there were some tops there was mostly yows uh, and a few hogs um sorry other way around, mostly hogs and a few yows and uh 214 was going to be, I think it was eighty-two pounds, and uh, it, it went semi-viral. Like it went out to one hundred and fifty thousand folk, but so many people were messaging me and saying, "Like that can't be true. That like you falsified these figures." And I'm like, "I have not. If anything, I added twenty yeah. percent on just in case, you know, because I didn't want to <laughs> falsify it. Yeah, um, just to be conservative, like. Yeah, exactly. And you've mentioned all those benefits there, all of which are true. And one that we don't talk about often is wool's about fifty-eight or fifty-nine percent carbon. So when that's taken off, that's a huge sequestration that's sitting in those bags. Yeah. Um, you know, the potential for insulations and stuff are limited at the minute because uh, there's a big push, push for houses to be vegan. And, you know, it, okay, I get that, but it's, it's, it's a shame. In a lot of ways, that is but. a thorn. I feel like that is a thorn in the side. It's like the one sticking point that, that would stop people that are obviously um that are into the environment and into becoming more sustainable there seems to be a bit of a stickler like the fact that PETA have decided now that wool is the devil um and that shearing is killing sheep or skinning them alive or there's some so such misinformation out there it's ridiculous like <clears throat> i seen you've probably seen it i'd say there was one photo that it was like an ad that PETA did that where it was just this is the guy what happened for your wool fleece yeah it was like a lamb that was like skinned alive yeah. like um and yeah i don't know there's some neck like but yeah obviously there isn't enough rules or enough laws there to stop that from happening but um yeah, yeah i we, mean the me- media is lawless isn't it media really is lawless it's dangerous. yeah yeah uh, well the internet is probably still a new enough thing in terms of legislation because there's legis- like from what i see legislation seems to move very slowly because you know, it takes takes all the time it like there has to be like it has to be enough of a pain point usually mm-hmm. and then they'll talk about it and they'll talk about it and argue about it and maybe 10 years after that um there'll be like legislation whereas the internet is a fairly new enough thing if you if you take if you you know take it out a bit it's been here for a few years now but um in terms of legislation they probably haven't fully gotten top but mm-hmm. they are starting to now like but um yeah like that yeah that's just that's just absolutely criminal like it was um uh, a bit disheartening to see as a as a shearer like um that Absolutely. yeah and there's it's an, it's amazing how well funded they are and how many people <clears throat> got on the bandwagon in terms of beta like as but like if it's the case where there's people who it's kind of comes down to maybe not being educated about the farm and i suppose why it's so important what you're doing and what we're doing and trying our best to just sort of get the information out there and get it out and maybe bring people closer to um like the farm in terms of just become more knowledgeable about it um and but i suppose that one is so outlandish like probably uh, surely a lot of people noticed like that well that's not that's nuts like sure we've seen sheep yeah. being shorn 
like and and they just like the wall is taken off like it's it's good like it's uh like, yeah if it's done right like it's just the no harm to animals and it has to be done as i've said in a couple of interviews like it has to be done for the health of the animal like they'll get eaten alive by maggots if not like so um yeah yeah absolutely uh, absolutely and you know uh peter peter for, for those that don't know listening in guys peter is a, a big company and it stands for well it's not a company it's a charity people for the ethical treatment of animals and i would go as far to say their principles are correct and fair it's just the activism thrown in that's a problem mm. there's a few different uh, organizations like this you might come across like hsus is a uh, the um, Humane Society in the United States and CIWF, Compassion and World Farming, they're all sort of pushing the same narrative that we shouldn't be, uh, we, we should have high welfare standards for animals, all of which we all agree on. <laughs> all, mm. all livestock farmers are people for the ethical treatment yeah, of animals. Absolutely. It's when it becomes this uh, far-fetched, you know, stupid stuff that it, it, mm. it's, it's, it's sort of unsustainable, really. But um, just in case you're wondering what we're talking about there, yeah. Uh, the wool thing, on from a welfare perspective, you said that you know wool's the enemy, wool's the devil. I can't remember exactly what you said, Carl, but something like that is so true. And when I did my masters, I did a a module on food security. There was about thirty of us in the course, and about seven of us were either not against agriculture or in agriculture. Uh, the rest were sort of against it. And uh, I did my uh, ethical conversation on wool and i was looking into a PETA publication and there's a photo it's just two as you'll know of well shriveled up bits of shit that have like a bit of wool on them you know that's sort of like it just it looks the reason i'm going to say it looks like testicles is because what they were saying in this publication was uh, quite often testicles will be shorn off and I'm, I'm sitting there thinking like this is just nonsense the mm. farmer doesn't want that because if they've still got testicles on that animal they don't want them gone. <laughs> yeah. Quite if you're looking at it thinking we care, don't care about welfare, that sort of thing, then yeah. you've got to consider that. But um, we could go down that road forever and we sit here arguing. Yeah. Uh, but it's, it's, it's worrying and I think it's good we're pushing that narrative like you say. Yeah. Um, one spin-off, potentially one spin-off advantage is that, like, and you know yourself, Wallace, like there is people in, in both the shearing industry and the farming industry that mistreat animals and have no Absolutely. regard yeah. for for animals. Like like they're out there, like they're they're the like they're the one percent or the two percent, but they yeah. are out there. So are. if this sort of if it makes people more conscious and even makes us stop and think well, uh, you know, and question things and say, well, is this the right way of doing it? And then, and then just be happy in the fact that we're doing the best for the animal. Then I suppose that's a positive thing. True. But um, what I suppose what really gets me is that sort of there's a bit of a disconnect there where there's you know I suppose farm like we're not all farmers like we used to be hundred years ago, and there's you know, maybe people in cities now and they're not that educated on the farm, uh, on on where their food comes from. Like like there's I, I've seen some funny stuff online, but like you know people of people thinking that like food just originates in the supermarket yeah <laughs> i know <laughs> it's a big world i guess <laughs> don't know how you can think that's the case but uh um yeah but it, I, um like it's annoying when say peter gets to them maybe first before they see some farm and stuff and um i suppose the thing to have on their side i think i said that in an earlier podcast of mine was that they can do the shock thing that sort of 
grabs people's attention and make them go, oh, you know, like that's that's horrible or whatever. And um, like it takes 10 pieces of good educational farming positive content in order to outweigh that thing because it's just human nature, isn't it? You know, like if there's a like if there's a like a big, lovely, positive charity event going on on the right hand side of the road. And there's a an accident with an ambulance and a fire brigade on the left hand side of the road while you're driving through. Yeah, like, which one are you gonna look at? We're just we're wired to we're wired to immediately look to the sort of the crazy thing or the bad thing or the negative thing, you know. So um they use that to their advantage and it, it takes a lot of it takes a lot of good work to outweigh that. But um look sure, what can you do? You know, just keep fighting the good fight, I guess. Yeah, and I think a lot of us are. I think we're as an industry, we're sometimes guilty of really not fighting that fight and not defending our own product. But I think with social media and COVID has worked in our favour, I think, um, mm. which is kind of unfair to say. It sounds like you're profiteering from it, but it's not that. It's just people are realising the benefits to, to sort of sustainable food production. And yeah. I think it's working in the right way. But um, yeah. yeah, as I said, we could sit and talk on this for forever. I've got a couple of things, more things I really want to cover with yourself. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, you don't do three-hour ones like me, so we better hurry up. <laughs> <laughs> I try and time them a wee bit. I don't mind if I go over an hour here or there, but I try and, try and limit them mm. somewhat. Um, not that I don't want to talk to you, I promise. Uh, if if you're listening here to, to Carol and you listen to uh, agricultural podcasts quite often, probably heard his voice. I uh, Just out of interest, before we started this, but on Spotify, typed on farming, clicked on podcasts and show, and unit, yeah, unit was first. Um, I've done it a few times, and it's always sort of been around the top ten. I'm unfortunately not in the top thirty, but still, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you deserve to be more than me, mate. You're being a lot more consistent these days. Than I am. <laughs> <laughs> I've only I've done one about in the last three months, which is absolutely horrible. But uh, when it comes <laughs> around to, yeah, so there's a big lesson learned this summer that summer is crazy have as much so that was the yeah. big lesson for the summer is just like have as much stuff printed and as much podcast done in the winter time when you have the chance and have enough yeah. that you can sort of tick over without too much work because the summer is like it's it's great that you can work for sort of four or five months and have uh, like some money in your back pocket but in that four or five months it's 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 very busy and it's a tough yeah. physical job you don't have much energy for much else and uh, yeah. maybe I'm the opposite. I'm the I'm the lazy side. I had seven weeks off because of the nature of my job, so uh, I was able to catch up a bit more. So we'll put it down to that. But the reason I'm saying yeah. this is, uh, Carl's got a big podcast, and it's you'll see it on his hoodie if you're watching on YouTube, um, and instead of listening sort of on Spotify, that is the name of the podcast, and it's also the name of his business, which we'll get into in a minute. Uh, but could you tell us about the podcast, or maybe why you started it? Uh, some interesting guests, you know that sort of stuff. Sure. Yeah. Um... <clears throat> I was when I was thinking I was thinking back I was talking to my sister Joanne about it and we we I was messaging her from Australia saying that a farming podcast would be a good idea um a, a lot of like funny like the couple of things that I have started a lot of time it's like taking something that I've had an interest in in some other industry and maybe starting a farming version of it and for me I was like at the time I was like just hooked on the Joe Rogan experience and um, Joe Rogan's podcast mm-hmm. Obviously, that's like one of the biggest ones in the world. And um, uh, for starters, he just seems to have drinks with his friends and and make tens of millions of dollars in <laughs> revenue every year. So that looked like looked like great crack. But obviously, it's always the case where on the surface stuff looks so easy and fun. Like, but um, uh, it also just seemed like he was sort of yeah. He just seemed like he was having a lot of fun with it. 
um, people were really responding well to it. And me myself, I, I loved it. I was very inspired by it, inspired by his success, really, and his mindset that sort of from a young age, he just decided that like um he just sort of pursued his passions and like stuff didn't work out for a long time when he was younger but he just kind of just kept going and kept kept going um and stuck it out and he ended up in a very good place now he's like he's an ultra ultra successful person but um yeah so was, from that i was kind of thinking a farming version of the joe rogan experience would be fun to do and it'd be good so um the perfect time for it was coming home from australia um, with the pandemic and just being at home not going out drinking at the weekends and having this extra time and your and energy and you're twiddling your thumbs wondering what to do with yourself so um i just started the podcast in about april of 2020 i think it was actually early may when we done did brought my sister joanne on for the first episode and um yeah i just sort of hooked into it and i did it weekly for most of most of 2020 which was um which was pretty crazy because the 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 mm-hmm. what a weekly podcast the week it comes around really quick, <laughs> um it's it's not so like it's uh, like it's doable like people do it but uh, I guess I don't know, maybe I maybe I'm not hard enough for work or I'm not um, on the ball enough but um but it was great it's 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 amazing we've had some had some big enough names on in both uh, the shearing worlds and the farming worlds and I've made some made some um good friendships from it and i've learned a lot from it i've learned a lot listening to the talking to smart people on it and it's been it's been really good like there's um it's it's a big commitment as you know wallace but um there's definitely advantages to a podcast like um it's a like it's a crazy it's a very effective networking tool like it's a really good way of 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 getting to know people and getting to talk to people um like I, i've sort of the, some of the people that i've got on um, when I kind of think back to people in the farming space that have started to be big enough names, Dr. Mark Ferguson, um, over in New Zealand, um, Dr. Shane Conway, um, Tommy DeVette, people like that in Ireland. And, um, these are people that are just, that are just maybe 20 or 30 years deep into a career in the ag space and way, way further along the line than me. And I've done way more work and, you know, have earned sort of their place and, like for me to just be able to bring them on my podcast and talk to them and learn from them and network with them, like having only started a podcast a couple of months before is just a, it's a crazy thing and it's a privilege and it's an honor really. Um, and it's funny, like if you, you, you could not know someone, but people like talking about themselves and they like talking about telling their story. And um, so maybe uh, often you'd, you'd surprise yourself. You'd, you'd be surprised that someone who you would think wouldn't have much of an interest in coming on uh, the podcast would, would be interested in coming on. And then you can go from not knowing a person at all to like, it's funny how you can kind of create quite a bond with a person um, from talking to them about their life for a couple of hours. Like, and, you know, like afterwards, like we'd be sort of engaging on social media and they'd be commenting on your posts and that and haven't gone from not knowing you at all, you know? So, <clears throat> these people that you'd look I'd look up to both in the shearing space and the ag space in the shearing space um we've had a couple of world record holders on and just people that are just far better shearers than me and far better known in the industry than me but um I've sort of gotten to know them now and would be well acquainted with them now just from uh, having them on the podcast and um like delighted I've had the opportunity to do that and yeah it's a it's a it's a fun thing um certainly certainly no regrets starting it anyway um 
but uh, yeah, just sort of hooked into it. And I guess looking back, probably an advantage. Um, I would always be naturally sort of a perfectionist. I would get hung up on details and having things exactly right. But like from looking, just from from looking at maybe entrepreneurs and podcasters and people that create content, <clears throat> one lesson I've learned is what they all say is that just just get into it. Just like put up the first couple of episodes and um, like have put a real value on time and trying to get good quickly. That's sort of how I approach sharing too. So when it came around to starting the podcast, one thing that um, people, for people who don't know, that people will get very hooked up starting the podcast is uh, is equipment and having the audio right. And like I did give it a crack. Like I had, I had a look at mics on amazon and stuff but i was absolutely knew nothing about audio or technology or anything like that so um eventually i just got sick of it not knowing whether or not to spend a couple of hundred quid and just i i just started with skype and a pair of 10 euro earphones on the phone and um kept doing that every week and um like it was amazing like we got we got thousands of downloads with that same setup and it was nearly like a thing of pride like that i wouldn't change it you know for maybe the first six months or that because like like the people were still listening and they were getting on it was getting on fine because i think the content the content is more important than the audio while you do want to have the audio well um uh, there's no point getting hooked up with the audio and that wasting a couple of months when you could have done five or six episodes in that time and have continued to get good <coughs> i suppose the bottom line is that i knew from sharing knew from trying to get good at anything was that you're going to suck at the start. So just get through those first few episodes and learn what needs to be learned. And just, um, I think it's the title of a book we were talking about before the podcast. I, I love the saying is ready, fire, aim, instead of ready, aim, fire, just take action first and then see what happens. Because like people would be, is it, is it kind of the spotlight effect where people think that, you know, you put out something online and you're so afraid to put it out and you think that everyone's going to be looking at it and critiquing it. But people don't care all that much, not as much as you think anyway. They're just kind of doing their own thing. Like, and, and they're just kind of say, Oh, he's got a podcast. Oh, and they might listen or they might. And so, um, when you're in those early stages of anything, um, no one really cares that much anyway. So let that be the time when you take as much action as possible and get good and get comfortable and figure out the learnings that you need to learn. Um, so that was, uh, one thing I, that sort certainly helped me in terms of the podcast, uh, was just, taking action and seeing what happens and um yeah um that was uh that was sort of the story of the podcast anyway fast forward 18 months or so and yeah we're doing what we're doing how many have you done just out of interest um 46 or 7 now i think right. yeah um good. yeah ah sure yeah because <coughs> just kind of yeah I suppose it's it's a cool old it's a satisfying feeling when you can get another number up there you know yourself um yeah you're well aware of yourself <clears throat> so yeah it's nice get it up to 246 then and we'll see what happens might be a little bit smoother at it. exactly what's joe rogan's at 1750 or something at the minute that's not yeah and he does three or four a week like it's uh, i think he does one every week day does he not yeah, near enough. Yeah, I think I, I, I was kind of keeping an eye. There's one thing when, when, it, when it first started and I was sort of my big thing was, you know, it's just getting the episode out there and I'd be looking at all the, these other big podcasters and saying, 
how they on there like and I'd be looking at Joe Rogan and it's like, oh wow, he's put up five this week and I've only done and I missed this week or whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it's yeah, yeah, it's, it's, yeah it's crazy. And they're so they're so good. A lot of them are so good too. Yeah. But um, as, mm. as far as I know, you don't have a hundred million Spotify contract though. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's, it's, maybe you do. You're Next week well. it's in the works. I just didn't <laughs> want to say it yet, Wallace. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, some of the stuff he puts out is excellent. I will my girlfriend and I have been listening to the one with Yeon Mi Park, who's a uh, North Korean SKP. And yeah. oh my God, that country is, I don't swear on this podcast, but it's fucked. Like it's absolutely it's ruined. Sure. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, um, but he, he wasn't the first podcaster I listened to. The main one I listened to is True Jordy. I don't know if you know of. But, yeah, uh, I do. Yeah, yeah. He's big yeah, into MMA too. That's another thing about me. I have a big interest in the UFC and MMA. Um, okay, yeah. Conor McGregor probably brought me there and then but I've stayed because I like the sport and yeah I've I've, I've listened to True Jordy. He's he's good, he's very good, nice relaxed interview style. Yeah. That's another thing kind of you know when you're podcasting you kind of listen to some of them trying to figure out tips and how or just sort of figure out a style, you know. Yeah. Like do you want to do a real structured and rigid like TV or do you want to do you want to be drinking in the middle of it like Joe Rogan? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's what, interesting to see the differences. Mm. I really like Lawrence as a podcaster. I know a lot of people don't. Um, the reason the reason I actually watch True Jordy is I watch a lot of YouTube, um, yeah. a lot of sort of like you know sidemen stuff, farming YouTube, a lot of it, and he has a lot of them on, so it, it's quite interesting. But the reason I'm saying this is he once said in a podcast um, he was talking to oh, as another podcaster in the YouTube scene, and he was like, "Yeah, starting up as you're saying." get it out there nobody cares if it's not perfect if you've just started and you know what we're on well i say we i'm on podcast 22 at the minute it started on the 14th of january and we're now i think this will be 12th of november this is coming out and i'm still doing it on an ipad and yes it's probably not perfect and i hope next year i've got some graphic designers on board and stuff and get the right mics and that to make it better but at the end of the day folk listening they're not focusing that highly on that sort of thing when they know mm. it's just a lad from Sligo like yourself or a lad from Aaron who's, who's having a chat with folk about something they're passionate about. But um, yeah, the, the views thing's an interesting one. I mean, uh, it sounds like you're getting quite high views. I think I've probably had a total of about four and a half thousand, so not huge, but... Um, Nothing it, major, really. Um, getting honest, that break. To be honest. Like, <laughs> may, may, I think maybe about 20,000, but uh, yeah. like, it's been going for longer and it's been... You know, it's been, and have more episodes like so. Not a not a crazy amount, you know, for sure. Sure. Um, but uh, it is. I suppose it is the farming space too. So, like, uh, like the total audience is going to be a bit smaller. But um, yeah, yeah. I suppose you can get quite hung up on the on on the audience um, and how many people are how are downloading it. But um, yeah, I I suppose well, the way I sort of think about it is just just go down the rabbit hole and just try and get good. And I feel yeah. like. Like if the product is good and I sort of try and approach the merch and uh, unit the same way, you know, just really put in the work and try and get the product really good. And then like if a product is really good or if content is really good, it, it should nearly market itself, you know, because people will tell other people like this is this is really good. So put, yeah. like, put most of your time into trying to improve that and just getting better as a podcaster, putting on better or getting better guests on and that. I'm saying that, and I'm um haven't been doing too many recently with the sharing, but yeah, <laughs> we should have no, a good winter of it now, hopefully. For sure, for sure. It's um, it's it, yeah, it's it's a really interesting space, and just seeing it. And the, the farming community is a pretty supportive bunch. 
you know, the, yeah. we, we sort of club together, don't we? But um, you, your podcast is called Unit, which is, for those listening, it's like yow as in sheep and knit as in wool yarn, whatever. Um, it's, it's called that for a reason, though. It's been named after something. And a lot of people in farming, diversification is a massive thing these days. Uh, you know, whether that's going into renewables and tourism and sort of the new sector is going into YouTube and, and social media, that sort of thing. A lot of these people that are on social media offer merchandises and stuff like that. But you've sort of done it the other way. You've sort of really aimed onto merchandise specifically. Could you tell us just a bit about Unit itself and, and how it began, Carol, and where it's at now? Sure, absolutely. Unit's actually a couple of years old. I actually started it in um, in 2018. So I was in third year, for a bit of context, I was in third year in college and I had just started my placement, which was back here in Sligo. I wasn't in Dublin. And um, I kind of was just an office job, but they didn't have a whole pile of work for me. I had a good bit of time spent in front of a laptop, but not a whole pile to do. So um, I've always been, I've always had an interest in business and marketing and digital marketing. I thought when I found out about the space, that was really interesting. It's just kind of cool to sort of the whole thing of creating content and running ads and search engine optimization. And that I quite kind of quite enjoy that. I find it interesting. So um like i suppose what better way to really sink your teeth into that sort of thing than to start a business and um obviously i'm i'm a mad passionate farmer and um the best way to sort of unite both of those interests was to start a business in the farming space and i thought to myself that a that a clothing brand would be supposed to be a good place to start and come up with the name of unit and got someone to design a logo um and got a few sales and got a little bit of traction that time, but nothing major and had the summer sharing and then finally year of college. So I paused the store. So it was a Shopify store and I just sort of shut it down and said, just kind of thought to myself, like, I might come back and do this after college. Like, or, but um, like, even when it was shut down and I was in college, sort of like every couple of weeks, there'd be a message saying, hi, I tried to go in and buy a hoodie and um i couldn't do it or whatever like just regular like people would be messaging about interesting about hoodies and so it was sort of it was kind of in the back of my mind that you know what a business when you start off you kind of think i a big thing is like <clears throat> you know is this something that people like like is is there a demand here like that's a big thing because before you go invest a lot of time and money you're sort of concerned like you're like is this worthwhile doing here so when when I kind of seen that unit certainly seemed to resonate or people seemed to like the branding and seemed to like the idea of the brand, I kind of thought to myself, like, you know, like it's that's it seems to be people seem to like it and farmers seem to like it. So like you know, that's a sort of that's an opportunity. That's a bit of a stroke of luck. So I should like capitalize on that, you know. So it was kind of in the back of my head that I would give unit a a crack really and um sure supposed to be, again no more than the podcast like what better time to do it than um than being stuck at home and not going to australia or new zealand so um i started the podcast then um while sort of thinking about unit and getting uh starting on the website again but um the podcast was originally the agricast farming podcast so i started the started the podcast sort of separate from that um got a good few people on got um sort of networked with a lot of people with good followings too like influencers over here and um that so i suppose that was a good thing too because the sort of drew of a bit of and that six months of work definitely between that and joanne um 
going very well and getting a lot of traction for YouTube and getting on in the papers. And she was on the news a couple of times. That certainly um, maybe got people more aware of what we were doing and just maybe the Devanis in general, as I say, just piggybacking on Joanne again. <coughs> but uh, so I was sort of, unit was in the background and I relaunched it um, in November of 2020, just a week, about a week before, and I didn't really think it was a big deal at the time, but it was about a week before Black Friday um, and the Christmas season, which is like the busiest time of the year for um all things e-commerce and all things sort of clothing and um presents or anything like merch in general so um like just had a sort of a whirlwind month where where it just took off and done a whole pile better than i thought it would so it's just like all of a sudden then i'm like all right i'm a business owner then (laughs) but um it's it's class it's awesome it's uh um we had the the podcast then and the the brand going together but still separate and that was kind of annoying me then for a month or two because I was kind of thinking to myself, well, I'm here, I'm still, I'm doing this on my own. And, um, you know, like building a recognizable, legitimate brand is kind of a big deal. So I'd be probably better start with one at a time first rather than trying to build two together, you know, because the Agricast had its own um, separate brand and its own separate logo. So I made the decision then to um, rename the podcast, the Unit Farmer Podcast. Um, I that was the route I took where um, like the podcast would still be it the same podcast, but it would sort of be helping to build the unit brand. And it's working out good because, you know, say on Spotify, like unit is on Spotify now and that the logo is there and it's the whole thing is helping in terms of business to get the, just get the brand out there and just get, be recognizable. Isn't that the whole thing about building a brand? So, um yeah in terms of the how the podcast and the brand fit together um i yeah i guess i would see myself um as a sort of a a, a business first but then the podcast is kind of a, a content arm of it i guess um and it works out well because sure like you know, say on the unit instagram and facebook now i'd be putting up podcast clips and videos and quotes and pieces like that so it really helps in terms of and the social media plan and the calendar like getting getting stuff out there and then it's just getting the brand out there in terms of uh because it's sort of offering value to people up front uh for something that's free and maybe just maybe making them become aware of unit and then um hopefully they'll see the brand and get to like the brand then um so yeah the two work well together yeah it's i i it's interesting it was well pointed out on your part that yeah i i something i thought about myself too that if you say if you look at the likes of Cammy and the Sheep Game and plenty of others, that they'll sort of they'll build the content side first, and then the products will sort of come from that as a way of monetizing it. Um, for me, I guess I'm just sort of building a brand separate from me, and I'm kind of trying to build a business that maybe one day will sort of be a legitimate business that can kind of run without me. I guess that's the the that's the plan there. Absolutely. To be something like an asset that could be sold or that because. <clears throat> that's just kind of, I suppose that's kind of the plan when I really I just kind of want to I want to build a business as opposed to um not running down like the likes of Cammy or anything like that because they're doing phenomenal like they're doing a lot better than me at the moment but um yeah that's kind of the way I decided I want to do it I just um, love marketing very interested in business and digital and how all that space works and content whatever but at the same time quite enjoying the podcast so just riding the wave at the moment and uh 
having fun, just working hard, but um, doing doing what I like to do in terms of doing what I'm passionate about. So I'm um, very lucky and don't realize how lucky I am, really, to be honest, at times. Um, when you're in the middle of stressing about getting the next episode out or or running things or keeping on top of things, as, as you know yourself, Wallace. Yeah, what more can you ask for than doing what you're doing, what you're have, doing what you like doing and still being able to have a living? Just yeah. quickly get from this. Um, the, yeah. yeah, not that it's yeah, ever a walk in the park. No, no matter what you do, it's no. going to be tough and there's going to be challenges, but. I suppose if you can if you can work on this, I, I like working for myself. Like that's one thing I, I noticed about that. Like I'll I have no problems with working hard, like with from shearing or farming, you just that's just what the way you have to be. <clears throat> and like there'll be plenty of long, hard days doing a very tough job. You know, even I was over on Ackle Island there yesterday. Um, um and then we were shearing from nine until nine, I think, and maybe I did about two seventy or something like that. Um topping like shearing halfway up like leaving wool on which is a bit slower too so it was just a, it was a painstaking day like but it's just yeah if you can get through that and survive you just you you become someone who can work you know um and it's a good it's a good trait to have for sure but yeah um yeah like uh, you have to be not afraid of work definitely if you're working for yourself but i guess the good thing that you know you can work hard but it's on your terms that's one thing i like about it that you can take a day off if you want to you know, you're not you don't have to ask a boss or whatever there's something mm-hmm. like, people get lowered into it and they're they think that they won't have to work no you know you'll have to work harder like if you if you don't want to work you're probably better stick to a job like because yeah. and you won't have the added stress and the constant hum in the background of like of of having your own business like it but um uh, it's it's certainly rewarding it's things that i'm curious about and it's challenging but i suppose if you're I'm supposed to be the kind of person that's up for a challenge too um, yeah, so absolutely. Yeah. Keeps you out of the pub briefly. Yeah, I mean, just I, drink I'm at home even... instead <laughs> <laughs> on, on Zoom. <laughs> it's cheaper that way, isn't it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, it's um, no, absolutely. I mean, that that drive side of things is almost all of the battle. That the, I mean, I get asked quite a bit of how do you get the time to put into real kitchen and all that stuff, and I'm kind of an easy position. I've got a pretty good job and being able to have a side thing on the go is much easier when you have security. But uh, jumping into like you have working for yourself, there's a lot of benefits, but it's got to come hard work. It drives, doesn't it? It takes work. But um, oh, just for people too, don't be under any illusion that I'm this bulletproof person that doesn't feel any stress and can always work. Like there's plenty of days when you don't feel that motivated. Plenty of days when you feel like, oh, yeah, am I doing, am I doing what I'm supposed to do? And you look on LinkedIn then and like people that graduated along with you, they're like the senior management executives at some big company and the LinkedIn profile looks class and you're there slobbering at home, farming and doing a business. But um, like it's, 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 it's fun though. It's fun. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's a uh, think the long term too, I guess like just kind of start building something and hopefully in a couple of years, it'll, it'll turn into something. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, um, what would you say? Respect to be uh, stored in that, really, isn't there? Um, it's it's been great to chat with Carl. Uh, we've really sort of went around the houses. We've covered your life in shearing, and, and probably went more in depth in shearing than I have with shearers past on the podcast, which is really good. Uh, sort of always been around shearing and stuff. Understand the sort of technique of it, but not really fully understand like maybe grading systems that sort of thing. So that's been really good. Mm. Um. I always end the podcast with two questions and you've kind of already answered one of these. 
because uh, you've been pretty philosophical throughout and, and giving tips to people coming into it. So it's normally, uh, if you'd any tips for folk coming into the industry, what would they be? And also, where do you see yourself in five years? <clears throat> um, into the farming industry. Yeah, well, I mean, you could do that. You could go into e-commerce, whatever, whatever you like, really. Um, yeah, um, I suppose there's principles of success, really, that if you're going into anything, um, yeah, if you're going into any industry, well, I suppose don't be afraid to don't be afraid to work, you know, don't be afraid to put in, yeah, put in some hard graft. Um, I suppose if you're starting anything, if you're starting sharing, if you're starting a business, even if you're starting farming um, at the start you're you're like you you don't really know what anything really uh you don't even and you don't even know what you don't know <laughs> like yeah. you just like there's the, the, you're you're very far away from where you probably want to be so um like just take plenty of action um don't be afraid to work and the other thing is too is that like people admire that you know and that if you say if you go work for someone but you have heart like and you're not you, you and you won't give up um people admire that and people like working with people like that because you know, when the going gets tough, they're not going. They're not going to give up. You know, they're going to stick it out, and they're going to stick with the team. Particularly, I know that with sharing, but with farming too, and then with a business. Like, particularly if you're in a business with someone else, or if you're say if you're working with people that are are ahead of you, <clears throat> and you're trying to maybe learn off them or something. That's kind of leading into the second very important point, which is like um, mentors is mentors is very important. Um, try and find people as high up in the industry as you can find them or that are getting the results you want to get and just try and model it as best you can um, uh, add value to them um, and try and, and just sicken them with questions too um, there's a great quote I read I read it a couple of weeks ago oh definitely some artist has said or something but um, the quote is uh, life is short but art is long um, as in like just like yeah. trying to learn how to do something or get mastery and something takes a long time and it's a messy process but at the same time time is ticking like and in my mind mentors can cut the learning curve and maybe uh, leave it that you'll get to somewhere you know maybe get to where you want to get to in three years instead of five years which is hugely valuable like it's hugely valuable because it's like it's saving it's saving two years you know of, of working on something and like we say with Sheeran getting to 50 an hour within yeah. three years instead of within seven or eight years fumbling around by yourself before you finally decide to take that course or that. So don't be afraid to work. Um uh look for mentors um in any of those things and um stick at it to persistence. And it's something that, that I would have wouldn't have came to me naturally, uh, something I'd fall down on, particularly when I was younger. I would I would I would just like I'd have great inspiration for something at the start, but um, you know, a couple of months in, like whether that's a, like a gym program or or anything like that, I would yeah. sort of once the inspiration dies down, I would I would quit at it. But um, as I got older, I began to realize that like anything of real significance or anything that you want, if you want to accomplish a goal like really worth talking about, um, it's going to take a few years. Like it's going to like if you want to be if you're starting off in cheering and you want to be an open cheer. Like that's going to take on average, that's going to take five, six, seven, eight years. Mm-hmm. So um be persistent, stick at it because like often like often like success was just one hump of the mountain away, like and like it'd be awful to like give up like before just before 
yeah, you're about to get to the next level, you know. So um yeah, persistence. I'm kind of telling myself that too. Stick at <laughs> it in terms of unit, the podcast and all that, you know, and cheering because like um, yeah, all the rewards in anything in any industry come in the later years of something when you have have great a good network built up and you know what you're doing and say with yeah. sharing or whatever, for example, like when you're a fast shearer, like that's when you're making the most money when you're doing 50 an hour, not when you're slobbing around doing 20 an hour. But in order to get there, you have to be persistent. So um yeah, they're they're the three things I would tell myself and I would tell anyone else really. Um seek mentors, work hard and and stick at it and be persistent. Brilliant. Where do you see yourself in five years? I wonder if seeing myself in five years. Gotta be in one mojito, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh yeah. Um probably hopefully doing what I'm doing now. Um, I suppose back to that original point that like it, it just takes years in order to get to a good level of something. So I would hope that I would hope that I'd still be sharing um in competitions and I would still be building unit because I know myself if I stick at it for five years and keep at it, then it'll like the <clears throat> both of those things will be in a better place than they are now. Um just because like they nearly have to really. Um yeah. so I, I would hope that I'm doing exactly what I'm doing. Um if it's the case that life happens and you have to make a switch, then then uh, so be it. But um, yeah, let's, let's looking looking forward from here now. I, I I would hope that'd be the case because yeah, no knowing that that knowing that that it takes that length of time to get good at something really. Excellent, mm. very good. It was a pleasure going a, on, Wallace. Thanks for having me. It's been a deep a deep episode uh, into a lot of <laughs> uh, philosophy here and there, and a lot of really it's good. The core stuff. is light. It definitely is. <laughs> <laughs> we should have. Been, we core is heavy. They should call it. <laughs> it's very much not that I must be honest but uh, yeah no good stuff appreciate it having you on Carl and uh, yeah if, if you want a boring old lecture on I'd, I'd be happy to come on to you but, uh, just yeah, wait, so every- wait on the message mate wait on the message I suppose there's a great <laughs> thing about podcasts too and you can kind of you can sort of collaborate you know and like maybe yeah. a couple of followers might enjoy what I'm saying most of them will probably be turned off and think he's talking <laughs> absolute mock but even if there's a couple there that enjoyed it you know um, yeah, mate, the, the, they, the fact, they pop over and then hopefully a few of mine pop over to you that's the way it's a <laughs> the win-win fact, thing it's great the fact no comments of uh, you sharing this beard hasn't came up is probably a good thing but uh, <laughs> yeah no really good having you on and uh, we'll keep in touch yeah yeah pleasure cool. Thanks, catch you later on and cheers for everyone to li- for listening <laughs>